Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for January the 16th. 2024 and i've said good morning maybe it's a good afternoon or a good evening or a good whatever i don't know when you're seeing this um many of you will watch it tomorrow morning at 6 a.m when it comes out uh, on facebook or when it comes out on sermon audio but it could be well who knows that's the the marvel of modern technology i'm glad that we have it it is a blessing and I'm glad to, to be able to use it for times like this with you. I hope that this finds all of you doing well. I got to say, as I'm recording this, whoo, what a day outside. I, I don't know if you can, can see this out here. Yeah, that, that stuff right there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's snow. And uh, it's still coming down a little bit out here. Um, so no preschool, no homeschool co-op, nothing like that. But uh, anyway, it's beautiful to look at and it's not that much. So uh, anyway, a good day for a snow day. I hope again that all of you are doing very well and I don't know what the weather is like at your place, but I hope it is as lovely there as it is here. Now, to pick up where we left off yesterday, where we found ourselves yesterday, and yesterday was our first day back after quite some time, but where we find ourselves, found ourselves, was in Acts chapter 18, and we made it through verse 17, that whole business about uh, the Jews making a concerted effort against Paul, right? And they take him to Gallio, this Roman proconsul, and basically Gallio says, Look, I'm not some theological judge. I don't know why you brought him here. If you broke your law, you deal with him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And rather than Paul um, being beaten, rather than Paul being arrested, uh, Sosthenes was the, the ruler of the synagogue there. And they ended up beating Sosthenes to a pulp right outside of the court. And Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. You know, again, read between the lines here of what's going on. The Lord, yeah, I mean, you've got the Roman thing. You know, Rome did not really care for the Jews. The Jews despised the Romans. Um, but what the bigger, deeper message that's being sent here is that uh, God is telling the Jews, you're not going to stop the gospel, and you're not going to stop the ones that I choose to carry the gospel, right? So, nevertheless, that's where we left off yesterday, and where we pick up today, y'all, there's some interesting things going on, some things that are misunderstood, some things that are misapplied. Uh, let's dig in, and then we'll see what we're talking about. Let's pray first. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and we pray for your blessings in it. Please watch over us as we go to Scripture that contains some things that at first glance may seem a little bit mysterious, a little bit different, that sort of thing, but help us to understand what you are revealing in your word, how it applies to us. And Father, give us courage as we wage war for you. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, let me clarify what I just lifted up when I said when we wage war for you as I, as I ask God to give us strength and to protect us. You know, we find something fascinating going on in Acts chapter 18. Um, Paul is reaching the end of his time in Corinth here, and in fact, he, he does, and it's time for him to head someplace else. But let's just read it. Acts 18, verse 18. It's where we're picking up today. It says, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Now, 
Pause for just a second here. Priscilla and Aquila, you got to think back. Remember, we haven't done daily devotionals since just before. Well, I think it was just maybe just the week after Thanksgiving. But anyway, it's been some time, almost a month, maybe a little more than a month since we've been together. We ran into Priscilla Aquila back in Acts chapter 18, okay, or, or back at the beginning of chapter 18, where we find this. So look at 18 verses 1 through 3 with me. It says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew, a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them. Excuse me, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Okay? Now, that's what we get from the book of Acts. I mentioned this yesterday. It's not really in Acts while we learn all about the things that Paul does. Okay? Personally, we don't really get a dose of, of who Paul is, you know, in terms of personality and all that kind of stuff. Because remember, Paul is not writing this. This is Luke writing this again to Theophilus, just like gospel, the gospel according to Luke. Theophilus is the recipient. Acts, Theophilus is the recipient. Now, of course, it's the word of God for all of God's people. But still, this is written from Luke's perspective, from the outside looking in. And we get brief glimpses, okay? Um, very brief glimpses. But you have to go to other places to really see the impact that Priscilla and Aquila had on Paul. Here, surface level, right? But if you were to go into, for instance, to Romans chapter 16, and I'll just read it here and go back and, and check me there. Romans 16, verses three and four. That's Paul wrapping things up in Romans. And remember, we weren't in Romans too long ago together. But in Romans 16, verses three and four, Paul says, greet Priscilla and Aquila my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Okay, all right, we start to see something a little bit more about Priscilla and Aquila. We know that they rescued Paul, that, that he was in these, these harrowing experiences, right? If you were to go, for instance, to 1 Corinthians 2, um, verses one, you get a little bit deeper glimpse. Realize that Paul okay, is on a second missionary jury. He's, we have been witnessing him planting the church in Corinth. And what we just read is it's time for him to go. He came from Athens to Corinth, stayed in Corinth, planted the church, and then went. All we get is surface level from the book of Acts. But if you read 1 Corinthians 2, right? Paul is writing the church in Corinth that he planted, that we've been reading about him planting. And in 1 Corinthians 2, we find out this. We don't get this from Luke, but in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Now, y'all, we get a glimpse there into what's going on inside Paul's head and heart when he meets Priscilla and Aquila. And if you put all of these things together, whether it's Romans 16, where he talks about how, hey, not only me, but all the Gentile churches are grateful to Priscilla and Aquila. They risk their necks for me. 
When you put that together with what we just read in 1 Corinthians 2 about Paul saying, hey, when I showed up here, I was weak. I was trembling. Couple that with the surface level narrative of Acts chapter 18. Paul shows up in Corinth and, and he's in bad shape, y'all. I mean, he's struggling. And think about all the things that happened in the previous chapters, how he was arrested and beaten and thrown in jail and his life is threatened over and over and over again. Do not make the mistake, okay? And sometimes we can do this. We can read about biblical characters and we can elevate them to such a level that they kind of stop being human. Now, I'm not saying that Paul is just a, a regular old dude like you or me or anything like that. I mean, he's Paul. He's set apart. He is different. But at the same time, he's still a human being. He still had struggles. If you don't believe me, read what he writes about himself in the book of Romans. He, he still struggles with sin. He is a sinner saved by grace. And he faces the reality of his own mortality. That means he struggles. But when you put all of these things together, you find out something about Priscilla and Aquila. You know, when he came to Corinth, they gave him gainful employment. He was a tent maker. He worked with them. They gave him a place to stay. They aided him. And it tells us something really important, y'all. You just never know what the Lord will do with your hospitality. I'll say that again. You never know what the Lord will do with your hospitality, how the Lord will use your acts of kindness, um, acts of faithful kindness, where you're just trying to be faithful to the Lord, but you show kindness to somebody. You have no idea what the Lord can do with that simple act of faithfulness on your part to spur people on. I mean, y'all, Again, we're talking about Paul as a person, but think about what he did. He planted this church in Corinth. Corinth, a city of, I think I've read that Corinth had over 600,000 people in it, okay? A city that would begin to transform, quite frankly, one of the most wicked places in the entirety of the Roman Empire. Corinth was like ground zero of Roman decadence and, and, and just wicked nastiness. That's why you see Paul dealing with some of the stuff he's got to deal with in Corinth, right? And in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. But nevertheless, Priscilla and Aquila, they're just being faithful. They're just loving God's people. They're offering encouragement. And the Lord uses that by his Holy Spirit to empower Paul to do what only Paul could do. You just never know what your acts of kindness can do. You never know what impact those can have. I'll tell you quite personally as a pastor, right? I am in constant spiritual warfare. I just am. And, 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 and you are too, whether you want to realize it or not, you are too. But, but in my line of work, it's, uh, and I don't want to turn this into a gripe or a complain fest because I love it. I absolutely love it. I don't want to do anything else. But in my line of work, you're on the front lines for a lot of this stuff. You have no idea how many times, and, and many of you that have watched, that are watching this right now, how you have done simple act of kindness, how you have blessed me and my family. And it's just made all the difference in the world. And it's, it has allowed me, the Lord has used that to, to allow me to focus on what I need to focus on. I mean, I could go on and on about this and I'm just me. I'm just, it's just here in Spotswood, Virginia. This is the apostle. Nevertheless, it shows you the impact of what the Lord does through acts of faithfulness. Never miss that, y'all. Never miss that. Now, we're going to keep on going. 
Again, starting in verse 18 again. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had cut off his hair at Centria. Okay. Um, this is that part, and you can pause right there. It keeps on going. This is important too. Before he sailed, he cut off, uh, he had his hair cut off at Centria because of a vow he had taken. Now, what in the world is going on here? And before you ask, no, this is not the way it is because I took some vow once upon a time, okay? It's it's the way it is for lots of different reasons, and I could go into those, but uh, I'll tell you the best reason I've heard, and it was by Dr. Rob Roy McGregor, who said, God never puts a good marble top on bad furniture. So that that's why this is. But no, no vow breaking, no vow completing. And the reason I gave those two qualifiers there, vow breaking and vow completing, is important. Sometimes people read this and they say, well, Paul must have broken a vow and he had to cut off his hair. They even go so far as to say, well, maybe he's he's leaving Corinth early, leaving in defeat, and that's why he cut his hair. No, y'all. Cutting of the hair uh, in line with vows. Okay, remember, this is the New Testament. I get it. Jewish ceremonial stuff is not in play anymore, but Paul's still a Jew. And there's nothing saying that he couldn't follow this practice if he so chose and felt so convicted. But what this goes back to is the Nazarite vow in the book of Numbers in chapter 6. And I want you to turn there with me, okay? Numbers chapter 6, and and this is all we'll do because we're running out of time here. But this isn't complicated. People read Acts 18 and they assume that Paul may have broken a vow, that he may have left something incomplete, and he had to cut his hair. And where that comes from exactly, though, that we'll read partially where that comes from. It's true that, that when a man or a woman, right, but, but, but when a man cut his hair like this after a vow, um, it is true that it could signify breaking the vow. It could signify violating the terms of the vow. But that's not what's going on with Paul. Instead, we see that, that breaking a vow and, and cutting your hair is not the only time that you cut your hair. And I don't know what the basis of that is. Maybe it's because it's shameful to be bald. I, I don't know. It's seen as an act of shamefulness. I have no idea what Paul looked like with a bald head, but that's neither here nor there. Um, instead, and, and it wouldn't have just been his head, it would have been his beard too. But all of that being said, it's not necessarily because he broke something. Why do I say this? Numbers chapter 6 tells us about something called the Nazarite vow. And we see that the Nazarite vow is utilitarian. Okay? What I mean is it's practical. It is rooted in a task to be done. I'll stop talking. Numbers chapter 6 verse 1, the word of the Lord, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, if a man or woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of separation to the Lord as a Nazarite, he must abstain from wine and other fermented drink and must not drink vinegar made from wine or from other fermented drink. He must not drink grape juice or eat grapes or raisins. As long as he is a Nazarite, he must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even the seeds or skins. And then, start di digging into this more. Verse 5, during the entire period of his vow of separation, no razor may be used on his head. 
He must be holy until the period of separation to the Lord is over. He must let the hair of his head grow long, all right? Then it goes on, and we'll stop reading right there because you get the gist. It goes on to talk about how Nazarites also were not allowed to come into contact with dead bodies, right? And, and thus, thus be made unholy. Now, part of this is rooted in the Jewish thing, the Jewish laws of cleanliness that are given in the Old Testament that were fulfilled by Christ, all right? There's no doubt about that. But there are two circumstances in which a man would shave his head and use a razor on his face too. One is in the event that he became defiled in this period of separation. The other is if he completed this period of separation. Now, what's going on with Paul? Which one is it? We have zero indication whatsoever that Paul violated this time of separation. The deeper question is, why was he separating himself? And what, what was the deal with that? And the fact is, we just don't know. But we do know what has come to an end here, and what's come to an end is a second missionary journey, for all practical purposes. Um, I will tell you what my suspicion is, what my thought is on this, is this, what we've just read about him cutting his hair before he leaves there when he's, when it's time for him to go. I think what's going on here is that Paul separated himself out, gave himself this period of separation where he was dedicated to planning the churches, going on this missionary journey, and the time came to completion when it was time for him to go Corinth, to go away from Corinth. He was finished with that work. And so he ended his time of separation. And the fascinating thing is this, the application most often of the Nazarite vow was not just somebody that wanted to be different or anything like that. No, the Nazarite vow most often was used as a period of separation to wage holy war. Now here we see a difference. We see another difference between Christianity and every other religion. The holy war that Paul, I believe, was on it's the holy war of doing the work of the Holy Spirit, doing the work of God, but empowered by the Holy Spirit to grow the church, to plant the church. Now, he's going to keep on going. We're going to see some interaction with this. He's going to end up in Ephesus and all these different things are going to take place. But he's still going to be doing ministry. But in terms of the task that had been set before him, he completed that task. And so he ended his vow of separation. It's not anything bad going on here. In fact, on the contrary, I believe what we've just read in Acts 18 is something very good indeed. That Paul, by God's grace and through the help of people like Priscilla and Aquila, has been faithful. And he has finished that portion of his work. There's more to do, and he's going to continue to be faithful. But nevertheless, that's what we see going on here, I believe, in Acts chapter 18. Now, practical question. Can we take Nazarite vows? Well, you know, you got to be very careful with this stuff, right? We have a tendency to dig into some of the Old Testament realms of things in order to reach a higher level of spirituality. And, and the reason I say that is when you see this cropping up, some people start following Old Testament dietary laws. They quit worshiping on Sunday. They start worshiping on Saturday. You, you see this stuff, and a lot of times this is a reaction based on and I'm not trying to judge hearts completely, just I know what I've experienced, but that's a lot of that's based on Jesus not being enough and people looking for some higher plane of spirituality. But that's not what's going on with Paul here. Paul has set himself apart. 
Paul has made his focus that which is what God has laid out before him. So can you and I do that? Yes, absolutely. We can set ourselves apart for the task that the Lord has laid before us. Now, do we see any example of this besides Paul? Not exactly, but we do find Jesus saying all sorts of things, like he said in John, where he said, hey, listen, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for service in the kingdom of God. In other words, when you take up a task, keep on going. That's the practical application here from Paul in Acts chapter 18. Keep on going and recognize that people are on tasks, people are on missions that sometimes they don't even realize. A lot of times they don't even realize, but the Lord has set them to work and in the same way. Y'all, just like Priscilla and Aquila were blessings to Paul at times of great weakness, you can be a blessing to them. But consider, really and truly consider what task the Lord would have you take up, what commitment you could make. We've all received the same commitment to be his lights in the world, to tell the gospel, all of these things. But it may be that the Lord specifically has something for you. Let me encourage you to take the time to stop and ask. Say, Lord, I'm here. And do what, what Samuel did, right, with Eli. There, I'm here, Lord. Tell the Lord that you're here, that you're available, if indeed you will make yourself available. And you never know what the Lord will do. And hey, at the end of it, you probably won't have to shave your head. But you never know. Sometimes it looks good on people. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you had given to us. And uh, I thank you that you indulge a little joking. Um, you're the God that created humor after all. But I thank you even more so that you set us about your business. Let us be faithful. Please work in our hearts to that end. And we thank you for the example given to us through Paul, that he went to work and he completed the task that you set before him. And, and we are the rich recipients of his commitment to you. Let us be blessings to one another as Priscilla and Aquila were to him. And let us strive to be faithful. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Until then, if it's snowy in your area, be careful out there. It's slick, very slick. Um, but enjoy the, the, the white stuff on the ground. Take care.